Hi, this is Maximilian Osinski, and you're listening to Talking Lasso. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Honey, is that an ingredient or is that something you just call me right now? Ingredient. Shoot, I was kind of hoping it was the other one. How worried are you about the threat of relegation? Well, Lloyd, right now I'm mostly concerned with the definition of relegation. Congrats. You both just met a cool person. <laughs> I'm free. One, two, three. Yo. Yo, Joey, I'm coming to you from a tin can. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Josh? Oh, I am just just a peach. <laughs> My internet went down about an hour ago, and I'm coming to you live through the app that our recording service has, <laughs> which thankfully they have, because if it was um, another recording platform that starts with a Z, I wouldn't be able to do this. That rhymes with Mencaster. Mencaster, yeah. <laughs> um good well but you apart from your internet woes you're all good uh, for the most part i didn't get a great night's sleep last night because they pushed the the ted lasso premiere time from 8 p.m local my time to 11 p.m my time and i didn't sleep well because i'm like i'm gonna wake up to spoilers like i'm gonna just forget about it and turn on the internet and <laughs> everything's gonna be spoiled for me <laughs> um and what's it Thankfully, no, because uh, Ricky and I just rolled right out of bed and went and watched it. <laughs> we we're like, nothing else is nice. happening until we do this. Uh, but Joey, I do nice. have to appreciate that you you kept to your word or our word. You you got the mustache. I do. Although I, I've said, I just recorded Two Blokes from Blighty, my other podcast on Game Club Pod. And I said there, I look a little bit less Ted Lasso, more like the kind of guy that would have free candy sprayed on the side of his van. So um Make of that what you will, Josh. I'll be real with you. I don't think the mustache is going to last longer than today. <laughs> yeah, it's going away right after the recording. It's not a. It's not a good look, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it suits you pretty well. Those, that's even worse. That that hurts me even more. <laughs> well, um, what does that say about me? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, what does it say about the kind of company that you keep, Josh? That would be my question. Oh man, you don't even know. You don't want to. <laughs> Okay, so um, while we're here, let's uh, do a spoiler warning. This episode of Talking Lasso contains spoilers for Ted Lasso series Uno, Dos, and Trez, but mostly for Season 3, Episode 12, So Long, Farewell. Just notice how I had to hold back the tears while I said that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, Josh... What did you think of So Long Farewell? It definitely had a series finale ending, but it left it open enough that there could be spinoffs. Like I could 100% see there being a, a, a series announced sometime next year being like, hey, We Are Richmond starring Brett Goldstein mm. starts this this time next year, whatever. But as an episode itself, what did you, what did you think? I thought it was pretty good. Um, it didn't quite hit that Ted Lasso feel in a lot of spaces. And it really did feel like it was setting up more for spinoffs than it was finishing up a, a series. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, it was like, if you wrote a definition of what a series finale looks like, it was like that. We had callbacks to episode one multiple of them we had uh actual flashbacks you know like in 
the series of Friends where they were like, well, we don't have any money or ideas for what to do to this one, so we'll just do a flashbacks episode. It had a bit yep. of a, a that feel, but in a very different kind of way. Um, I've seen a bit of the reception online afterwards, and I have to say, it's not as positive as I thought it was going to be. I thought as as a wrap-up to a series which a lot of people hold dear, this series itself has been received poorer than I would have imagined because I thought it was, I, I still thought the episode itself was really good and really well done and exactly what we needed for a series finale. For a series finale, it definitely could have been worse. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people are making it out to be. I've seen at least three separate articles today where they're just trashing this entire season. Mm. Um, which, like, I, I get it. There, There's a lot of sub- subst- substantial storylines that don't really go anywhere. They don't go the way we thought they would, like Nate being the villain of the story or the Darth Vader and then turning at the last moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it really got more into... The season got more into like sharing different ideas of storylines. It didn't have that emotional core that season one and two had, where season one was more Ted finding his place in Richmond. Yeah. Season two was the psychological aspect of it and everyone finding that mental health point. And then season three really felt really disjointed, where it was like we have this storyline and this storyline and this storyline. Sometimes they'll intertwine, sometimes they won't. But I, I think that the reason it's done, like I think it's probably a conscious decision to do it that way because I think, like you said um, previously, that this season is it's bigger than Ted. This Ted Lasso is not about Ted Lasso anymore and hasn't been for a, a season and a half at this point. Um, and I think that by giving the characters their individual stories, it gives them more of an individual personality be, rather than being that person that's connected to Ted. Um, is what what I what I would take away from it. Yeah, it, it became more of an ensemble. I don't disagree at all. I I think for the most part it, it did become a good thing. I do think there are a few storylines that didn't quite wrap up the way I thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because again, I I think they're largely building towards at least spinoffs. But the the overall aspect of finishing up Ted's story, I think was done quite well in this episode, especially uh, in the the latter moments of the final match of the season, which we'll get into a little bit. Yeah. Um, But the way we're going to talk about this episode, I think the way we're going to talk about this episode in particular is we're going to talk about it more as like how, how the storyline wraps up and what our feelings are on it Mm -hmm. more than anything, uh, because it, I don't think, the way we usually do it with like breaking down the storylines, it'd be really quick because like these moments take time to build. But if you're just talking about it, like, Oh, the match happens. Richmond win three, two Ted. Spoiler is a great thing. (laughs) (laughs) We already did that. It was like five minutes ago. Okay, cool. Um, But I think overall talking about like, how did Nate's storyline wrap up? What did, what did we get out of that? All that. I think that works better for us this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, great. I think, as you've mentioned him, let's start on Nate. Um, I think Nate's storyline here is is probably going to be one of the quickest. How did that wrap up, Josh? 
Uh, Nate, after having apologized last week, is back as the assistant to the kit man, which is probably like the fourth or fifth reference to the American office. Yeah, I was going to say exactly that. Um, I wonder if, if in this, they kind of, they started off with very British references, and I wonder if they went, oh, we actually have an American audience too. That that very well could be, and it would make sense to make references to things they understand. I still love that, uh, I think it was like three episodes ago now, where Ted makes a that's what she said joke, but he says it in like the most convoluted way ever of like, oh, that's what the lady from the American office was saying. Yeah. Yeah, that was it was pretty good. But I don't think Nate had a lot of story. I feel like Nate's story almost wrapped up last episode. Uh, we have a couple of shots of him. Like, for example, he's back in the Diamond Dogs, which if you don't know the Diamond Dogs is Ted, Beard, Trent, uh, now Roy, which was a good good addition, and Nate. Mm-hmm. And they basically just taught man feelings um, and stuff um, there, and they asked for advice on, on it. I think we covered it in... The episode where Nate tries to create a Diamond Dogs at West Ham, but he seems very pleased that he's back in the Diamond Dogs at Richmond. Yeah, he and he he has like a little pearl of wisdom because they're talking about how uh, can people change, and Nate obviously went through a moment of change. But like, mm. I think that may be part of Nate's story is that, and part of their justification for what they did with him is that he is always Nate, even though he is hurt and he is acting out of spite in certain ways he's still made at his core and that's why he didn't become the darth vader of the story yeah yeah i think um there was a few moments and and i think the next natural place to go is is rupert i think he had a really interesting conclusion but rupert um there was points where he it was very much made very clear that actually nate was never the villain here it was always rupert that was the villain um and I would have liked to have seen more interaction between Nate and Rupert. Nate cowered in fear around Rupert twice in this episode, both both during the match. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit of Nate stand up to him and maybe say anything to him rather than just kind of going back into his shell. Yeah, uh, Nate needed more to finish off that arc, which would be to stand up to Rupert and acknowledge mm that the way he left Richmond and the way Rupert manipulated him was not the way to do it. Yeah. But we never really get that. No, but what we do get is a is a shot at the end. And and I'm going to talk about the end sequence a little bit later um, because uh, there's a reason why I think it tied together so well. Um, but there's a shot with Nate yeah. eating at Taste of Athens with Jade, with his family, and his dad's laughing and patting him on the shoulder. He's got the recognition he wants from his dad and, um, I think overall it's a very happy ending for Nate, despite not being in the position he thought he might be in uh, towards the end of last season or the start of this season of a head coach. Yeah, it's the the thing that Dan from watching stuff was talking about, where it's you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. Yeah, and what Nate needed was acceptance with his family, particularly his dad. And I mean, it it is a little cliche that he has like found purpose by being in a relationship with a woman but it's nice for nate because he he found someone like that's it's a really simple storyline and like it it kind of diminishes jade a little bit because we never gotten something more with her but Mm -hmm. it it's still nice to see that they like created an arc for them and uh even though it was really simple it was still nice in my opinion 
I no, I agree. I think it was. I think I actually think it was the the probably the best way they can wrap up Nate's Nate's storyline into a bow and just say that is that is done. He seemed very happy despite his diminished position within the coaching team. He seems very happy outside of work as well, and he's been accepted by the team. So, what more could you really want there? Yeah, and then we do get that moment with him and Ted as well, where we finally see them interact, which is like the they only interact twice in the episode, which uh, they're packing everything into this episode. So it it makes sense that you kind of have to assume that they've already had the, a, a slightly bigger talk, but they yeah. they finally get some alone time after. Ted's having a late night in the office and Nate's just kind of standing outside the offices, looking at where the belief sign used to be. And Ted's like, it's to me, it's still there. I still see it. And Nate understands. And then they finally just have a moment to be with each other. And Nate apologizes and cries in Ted's arm. And Nick, Nick Mohammed's um, acting when he's crying into Ted's arms was, was really fantastic. I actually think I'd put it up there with some of the best, acting on on the show itself um yeah yeah agree completely like that was a, a really great moment um made entirely i think by nick muhammad's uh acting great okay so so we've tied up nate in a little bow and put him under the tree uh seven months ahead of christmas um next i'd like to move on to rupert rupert played a much bigger role in the series finale than i thought he might yeah, he ha- he hired um, the original Richmond coach that we were intro- introduced to. George something. I can't remember his surname. I just remember Rebecca has his testicles nicknamed Liam and Noel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, of course, that comes back into play a little bit because he wears his shorts all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Rupert is here to just to like go all out villainous bad guy for the episode. Um, we do kind of get paid off that he was trying to manipulate Rebecca. Yeah. In the uh, the Akufo episode. There's a um a theme throughout the episode where they talk a lot about Rupert being in loads of trouble at West Ham and loads of allegations of sexual misconduct, which we know happened because we saw him with his ex secretary. Um and talk of whether he'll actually be kicked out of owning the club, which then speaks to the fact that he, he maybe doesn't own it. Um. Yeah. What did you think about that? I I like the little political jab that they have in there, where um. They they say like, oh, if Rupert loses, he's definitely out because he 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 won't have any goodwill. But if he wins and they go up into the Champions League, then he might get a little leeway because like, oh, we won and we're going up, so you mm. know, just don't do it again, guy. Yeah, but the the two. So- the last game of the season is at the dog track, which is Richmond's home stadium. It's against Rupert's West Ham, as we predicted last week. Um, and Rupert is in attendance. The The pivotal moment in this, so to West Ham go up 2-0, and I know I'm kind of leaking into the storyline of the team a little bit, but I think this is really important for Rupert's storyline. They go up 2-0, uh, but Richmond pull two goals back. And Rupert's incensed by this, and he he storms off and ends up walking down the touchline, uh, pushes over his current coach, and like he's like, "Get up! I don't want people to think that I've hurt uh, whatever uh, the coach of my club." He's trying to save a lot of face here, but he's he's so angry that he seems to have just seen red. 
yeah, he he's clearly feeling the pressure of like we need to win and get into the Champions League, otherwise I'm losing everything. Yeah. Not just my wife, not just my kid, not just a game or a match. I'm losing my team. But the the last time we saw Rupert, they seemed like they were really softening him up in that that episode with the Kufu Super League and Rebecca. Um, here, poor he's a he's a jagged man in his long black cape. He when you said Darth Vader <laughs> for Nate, he really looked like Darth Vader in this. He really reminded mm-hmm. me of Darth Vader. Even the way that he walked with that cape behind him made me think you are painted to be what the definition of a supervillain is yeah and they they went to town on that in the episode where we saw him and nate at west ham where his office was like all like straight lined black uh he's wearing he's been wearing that black trench coat all season Mm. when he's not in the the akufu meeting um yeah it just they they completely villainized him again which is a little bit of tonal whiplash from the the akufu super league episode yeah, but it, it makes sense with hindsight that he is basically just trying to save face. Yeah, and um, so my understanding was R- Rupert still had some pretty good reputation. Uh, sorry, a pretty good reputation at Richmond, but this ends with the fans chanting "wanker, wanker, wanker" at him as he walks down the tunnel, and he looks hurt by this when he get reaches the tunnel. I don't know whether that's hurt because it's a realization of him losing everything. Or the fact that he's kind of uh, hated by the fans of the club that he still cares about. Yeah, I think it's definitely more the latter that he has just lost. He has literally lost everything at this point, even the goodwill with the fans of Richmond. Uh, Rebecca has done something with the team that he never could, mm. and the, the the team is succeeding without him at all. And it's just another another. Uh, straw on the camel's back that's just breaking him right now. Yeah, and that's kind of the last time we see him, right? He's he's walking out, he's hurt. Yeah, we get no real comeuppance, but it's implied pretty well that he's going to lose the team and he's going to go under investigation for sexual impropriety and misconduct in the office space. Yeah, rightly so. Fuck you, Rupert. Yeah, fuck you, uh, <laughs> Dan Snyder. I mean, Rupert. <laughs> but Anthony Head plays him to a T. Uh, I think yes. once again, what a performance! I think even the fact he looks his even his face looks more villainous than this. He looks tired. He looks gaunt. He looks he just looks like an evil, evil man. Um, yeah, and um, before we move on from his story, there there are a couple of really nice touches in this episode. Like uh, almost every time he shows up in in a scene in this entire series. He'll come in from off camera right behind Rebecca and just say, Rebecca. Mm. And in this episode, Rebecca comes in behind him off scene or off camera <laughs> at Rupert. Yeah. Just played it off so perfectly. I really like the line that Rebecca said here that he's the luckiest man in the world because no matter what happens today, uh, a team he loves is going to succeed. Yep. I, I love that little jab she had at him for that one. Yeah, very good. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about, uh, Rupert, before we move on? Nope. Um, I, I think maybe part of the uh, the backlash that we're seeing—it's a season. It's a season, and maybe even series finale. So people just love to hate them because they're losing these storylines that they never really got full closure on. So, mm. like Rupert not getting any visual comeuppance, I think really hurts. But 
I think the symbolic one is pretty good. Mm. I agree. I agree. Okay, Josh, there's another one under our Ted Lasso Christmas tree. Uh, where would you like to go next? Um, let's go with Rebecca. I really enjoyed her storyline. Okay. Far away. So Rebecca has, uh, we got to start at the very beginning of this episode, actually, because <laughs> the best bait and switch. Oh my God. That was so amazing because I, I saw it and I was like, you motherfuckers <laughs> seriously did not do this. You did not. Because Ted comes walking out looking real awkward, like, oh, that just happened. Well, Rebecca's in a dressing gown. Ted's in a, like, boxes and a t-shirt with his hair ruffled. It's obviously the morning after a big night. The implication yeah. is that, that Ted Becker has happened. And um, the, Ted asks, do you want to talk about it? And she's like, I do not. Yeah. And then yeah. the switch happens, and Coach Beard comes out in a banana hammock and the t-shirt. And you're like, yeah. okay, something happened, but it's definitely not Ted Becker. Well, what would be Beard, Ted, and Rebecca? Beard, Ted Becker. Maybe it was Ted Becker. Ted Becker. Maybe it was a three way. <laughs> yeah, but it definitely was not. That's no, that's not no, the thing that's going to happen. <laughs> um, and then Jane walks out, and Jane acknowledges that they had a, they still had a good time while in Rebecca's house, but. Uh, apparently there was a gas leak in their part of the neighborhood and Ted and Beard's part of the, the neighborhood. So Rebecca let them stay the night after Ted has revealed that he is leaving, yeah. which is what the episode, the previous episode clearly left off on. Yeah. Um, and then, so I think the next time we, we kind of come to Rebecca is uh, in her office with Keely and Higgins and they're exploring like, who do we want to hire as the manager of the new of the club after Ted's gone? Um, and then Higgins says, also, we, we might have had some offers for someone to buy a 49% stake in the club. You'll keep full control, but you make a shed load of money. And Rebecca drops the bombshell of, oh, well, how much would I actually make if I sold the whole club? Uh, and the valuation was £2 billion, uh, at which she spits her tea out at, rightly so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did you think of this? Because this caught me off guard quite a lot. I didn't think that she would even entertain it with the speech that she made in the Yakufu episode um, of football for the fans. We want to keep this pure for the fans. We're just custodians of the club, whereas they live and breathe the game. To to very quickly go from that to I want to sell the club um, I was a bit that... jarring. Yeah, I felt that it was more another bait and switch where it, it's just something to give Rebecca to ponder over. Because, mm. um, like you said, in the in the Akufu episode, she makes a pretty strong argument that she's never letting go of the team. Um, so the idea that she would sell 49% of the team makes sense because it allows her to spend more money. But mm -hmm. uh, the idea of her selling the team, I was like, even if, Polish, uh, what is it, Netherlandian? I don't know. The guy from Amsterdam. Oh, oh Dutch Daddy. Dutch Daddy, that's right. Uh, if Dutch <laughs> Daddy showed up, like that's the only way I'm I'm thinking she sells the entire team. Mm. Um, but for the for the most part, I was like the the fifty one percent makes sense. I don't know exactly how they 
justify having like a new board essentially because i assume with selling the team there has to be a board of directors mm-hmm. um which she would be the the head of the the board but um i knew she wasn't going to sell the team only because it, it didn't make sense even in the sense of a series finale or the, the thought process of a series finale um it, it just it wouldn't make sense for the character to sell everything off no i agree i agree but we get to another scene where they're in may's pub um I can't remember for the life of me the name of the pub. We've seen it so many times. I really should know it by now. But regardless, um, it's the something in anchor. Um, the ship and anchor. Let's say that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I know sure it's, it's not that, but it's something like that. I just know it's the and anchor because uh, in my my town we have uh, a pub called the Hope and Anchor, which has really good fish and chips. Ah, wow! It's like you next door to me, Josh. Um, <laughs> so the 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 maze pub is what I'm going to call it. Um, and I'm going to bring up a thing about May's Pub in a little bit, which I think was absolutely incredible, but I don't know if you caught it. Um, but Rebecca's having a conversation with her mum uh, about the psychic, about selling the club, and she thinks that when she tells her mum that she's going to sell the club, her mum's going to be like, hey, you absolutely shouldn't do that. But her mum had the opposite um, reaction and was like, yeah, go for it. I'm really happy for you. You should do what you want. Make you happy, which is a really nice thing from quite a distanced and and fractious relationship with her mum that we'd experienced previously um and we get a really nice moment where they go to pay the bill for the food and drinks that they've had and the three fans that simon baz and the other one yeah liam (laughs) liam simon liam and baz have paid for the drinks and they go over and they just say like we just wanted to say thank you for everything that you've done for richmond and I just thought that was really very sweet because we've not seen we've seen like glimmers of sweet side of them, but they're usually like the the kind of slapsticky, morony characters. But this was a very genuine and very nice moment from them. Yeah, I thought it was really great. Um it shows that uh is it Paul? Paul. Yes, it's Paul. Okay, I don't Simon think Simon Paul and Baz. Simon Paul and Baz. Yeah, I think Paul is the like overly jovial one that likes to keep okay. things like um, but yeah, it seems like Paul has definitely rubbed off more on all of them. Um, yeah. I think there's even a spot where the, um, the not, uh, not Baz. Uh, so Baz is the short ratty looking dude with like the puberty mustache. Yeah. Paul is the, the happy guy. And I, I guess Joel, Liam, whatever his <laughs> name is. Um, he, he's, he makes a comment that he, like he joined banter and, uh, like it seems like something those guys would have done a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a line when they're talking to Rebecca where they say, you're like the mother we never had of this football club. And then Rebecca's mom makes a joke and says, oh, that's funny. Cause I'm like the mother Rebecca never had. And then <laughs> they go back and take it a step too far. And it goes, well, I guess that makes you the grandma that we never had. And then I'm like, shut that, shut up, you idiots, and go sit down, <laughs> um, which I thought was was nice. But I just I thought that was a really lovely scene where it obviously meant a lot to Rebecca that they would that they would make that gesture um, when they didn't need to. Yeah, and it it definitely I thought that was going to be the end of the psychic storyline because we were obviously waiting for the mother thing to to come to fruition. Yeah. Um, yeah. But overall, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, and like that makes sense. She. She become they were we've already been talking about how the the team belongs to the fans, but Rebecca is the steward matriarch that comes to mind uh, at the end mm. of the episode. So it, it makes sense in that 
in that aspect. And it's like, okay, I can live with that. Even if Dutch daddy doesn't come back with his daughter, which seems to be the pretty heavy handed foreshadowing. Mm. I could live with this. Yeah. Um, and then, so off the back of that, uh, Rebecca has a scene with Ted where they're in the stands at Richmond. And she tells Ted that if he stays, she won't sell the club, but if he doesn't, she's going to sell the club. Um, and it was, it's done really well. And it reminded me, have you, Josh, have you seen Shit's Creek? Uh, I've seen a few episodes. I've not seen the entire series yet. There's a there's a really good um, episode with Alexis and a character called Mutt, and they break up because Alexis talks too much and Mutt doesn't talk enough. And they have a whole scene where Alexis is saying, "Look, you need to communicate more with me. You need to," but Mutt doesn't know how what to say, and he's completely like um, lost for words throughout the whole thing. And Ted doesn't say a word throughout this whole interaction with Rebecca. He's just like, he he doesn't know what to say to her. He's made up his mind. He's going, but he doesn't want that to hurt Rebecca. So he just doesn't say anything. And and once again, theme of Talking Lasso, the face acting here from Sadakis is, is great. Yeah, he, he kind of recognizes that Rebecca's in like the negotiation part of her grief. And he just kind of yeah. lets her walk herself through it instead of him trying to explain himself more. He's just like, keep going. You're almost there. You, you know, yeah, it was good. Um, but uh, I think we can skip all the way past the match now because whilst Rebecca was there, I don't think she was imperative to the match itself. Um, no, she's just she, cheering on. She team. surprises Ted at the airport when he, he's leaving. Uh, and then we get more Ted Becker bait and switch of, of Ted saying, Is this our leave cue uh, <laughs> from our rom com? Um, and they basically have a heart to heart and say thank you to each other. And there was a really funny bit where she's like, I bought a ticket so I could get through security so I could say this to you at the gate. And Ted's like, you bought a first class ticket for a plane you're never going to get on, which I thought was really good. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, forced to have it. Like, why would I buy anything else? <laughs> which is really good. But then we, we um, I don't know if there was anything of substance within that conversation between them apart from a thank you. Yeah, it's really just a goodbye and a thank you and acknowledging that um, if if there's an, another musical reference to make, it would be Wicked and the whole, like, I am changed for good mm. kind of sequence. Like, because we've known each other, we are changed for the yeah, better. Yeah, I mean, I made a hmm noise like I knew I've seen Wicked or, or know it, but um, I'll take I'll take your word <laughs> for it. Um, it's At least listen to that song. It's a okay. good song. Everyone likes uh, what I can't even remember it right now. Um Give me two, two seconds. thousand years later. You know when you get it, I'm going to play one of the soundboard things. <laughs> You've given me the power now. That was a poor idea. Yeah. Uh, Defying Gravity. That's the song. I knew it. It came to me. <laughs> Star there Wars. There you go. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> Wrong show, Joey. Um, but... Sorry. I'll do one more. <laughs> there we go um so uh then we get rebecca leaving the the airport she's emotional it's all in slow motion and there's a child running towards her a little girl who trips over and rebecca goes oh, oh my are you okay are you all right that was a nasty fall and then rebecca looks up and josh i'm gonna ask you what does Rebecca see? She sees Dutch Daddy, who is not just 
He's not just a boat a captain. Beautiful Dutch man. <laughs> <laughs> he is not just a boat yeah. captain. He is a yeah. plane and then captain. So, so Dutch daddy goes to introduce his daughter to Rebecca. And he says, well, this is. But they never got each other's names. And at this point, she says, oh, it's Rebecca. And that's the beginning of, of sheer beauty. And he says, I am Dutch daddy, Hazella. <laughs> no, he just says, I am daddy <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> um, but that's it. We never get more from that from Rebecca. I don't think we needed more. Um, but I mean, come on. We always knew that Dutch daddy was going to come somewhere. I just didn't think it would be in the very last scene that we see Rebecca. Yeah. And like, it really felt like with the way they left off between her and Sam last season that there would be something mm. a little more definitive with those two instead of the like awkward like hey we used to have sex but we're we're still co-workers but even, kind of thing. Even in this series when the last episode where they were watch what was the film they were watching? Uh You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail and there's the romantic scene and it zooms in on Sam and he looks back at Rebecca and she gives him a look and you think oh maybe there's still something there. But actually, no, the canal boat driver from Amsterdam is the one who comes and steals our new billionaire's heart. Um, what did you think of Rebecca's story finishing? I mean, this is the only way this season's arc for her could have ended with them kind of pigeonholing themselves with this psychic storyline, which is just still the dumbest thing they've done. Um, I, like, if there's any criticism in this season for me, it's the Rebecca storyline. Um, also, like, reducing keely like slowly but surely over the season um there's more they could have done with her too but they yeah. they decided to, to do this weird psychic storyline and give rebecca some kind of happy ending but it, mm -hmm. it it they could have done any of this without the psychic i it's, agree they just they just wanted to foreshadow something and they're like well let's just foreshadow it in a way that people are going to think is crazy but it also just softens rebecca more yeah well yeah i agree uh, the psychic we said from from episode one, the psychic idea is a stupid idea. But I'm kind of glad she just ended up with Dutch Daddy. I thought that that whole Amsterdam episode, whilst I didn't think it fit particularly well in a Ted Lasso episode, I thought that maybe the most one of the most interesting pieces within it. Um, yeah, and I I'm just glad it ended the way that it did for her. Yeah, I, I think Dutch Daddy is a perfectly good fit for her. Um... I, I don't think she needed to end up with Sam. I think there needed to be a more definitive closure to their relationship. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I, I, I would change about that is I don't think she needs to be the owner of the club and dating a star player on the team. Yeah, I agree. Um, So I'm going to put a bow under it and we can say goodbye to Rebecca. She's under the talking's lasso Christmas tree. I don't know why I've gone for Christmas tree. It's June. It's It's May. Um, but you know, I'm, I've started the, the, um, the metaphor and I'm going to roll with it before I we move on it. to the next story. I would like to refer you back to May's pub and in the, the compilation at the end, um, where they're kind of wrapping everything up without saying anything. Did you notice the reference to the last shot in May's pub? Because it was subtle, but if you've ever seen the last episode of Cheers, mm. you'll recognize it. Okay. 
I did not see the last episode of Cheers, so okay. I missed it. So there's a there's a photo in Cheers uh, on the wall, and the very last thing they do, and I can't remember the guy's name, the main character, the barman at Cheers. Is the it last Ted thing, Danson? Uh, Ted Danson, of course it is. Uh, the last thing that he does before he closes the bar is he straightens this image, the picture, and it's the mm. exact picture that you see May straighten in the last shot of, of her pub, which I just thought okay. was really... Really cool, and obviously a nod to a show that they really enjoyed. But um, I wouldn't have picked it up if I didn't see it on Twitter. I'll be totally honest with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I just thought it was cool. Yeah, I think Cheers concluded when I was like four or five years old. So, I yeah, but you go back and you watch it, Josh. You, you'll have a great time. I was always watching reruns of Perfect Strangers. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay. I would like to go to the team next. Um, Sounds good. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna bang straight over to you. The first time we see the team, they're in, they're in court. They are in a court of law that's in <laughs> Judge the dressing Isaac. room. Judge McAdoo. Judge McAdoo. Um, what the hell was that all about? <laughs> they were collecting uh, team mandated fines for missing practice or being late or in jamie's case falling asleep during a team meditation drill Mm -hmm. and uh it's basically all going towards an end of season party for the team and uh i really (laughs) nate clearly has made enough money that he he gets a five thousand dollar fine for missing the entire season and he's just like yeah okay fair enough he's fair enough yeah (laughs) (laughs) that that causes sam who is going to be hosting the party at his restaurant uh, saying like, oh, open bar and uh, live band karaoke. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, I enjoyed. I, when I first saw Isaac come in in the full um, judge attire, I kind of thought this is going to be really stupid. And there was a few moments with the team where I thought this is going to be really stupid. But very quickly, I warmed to it. Um, the next time I thought this is going to be really stupid is the next time we saw the team uh, when they were in training. And they finished training. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that, Josh. Uh, that one gave me nightmares a little bit. Um, not not because I didn't like the moment. I thought the moment was cute. And it did fit the show. Um, but t- sidebar, I just recently finished um, season five of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, which I believe I talked about last week as well. Or maybe that was... Um, it was on Talking Smack. I talked about it. Um, showrunners Amy Sherman Palladino, who also created Gilmore Girls, and uh, <laughs> she has this thing. She has created this thing uh, that she's just decided that musical numbers are something she's going to yeah. force into her shows, even if they don't fit. And there's the Netflix uh, Gilmore Girls spinoff, uh, like A Year in the Life, where there's like th- every episode has like a musical sequence in it and they just go for too long and they don't fit and there was one in the season slash series finale for mrs mazel as well i'm like i don't need this this is doing nothing for the plot like what is this but this one it just gave me those those like flashbacks to the that show but um okay please stay in the app while your recording is uploading
Hello. Hello. It's a bad day for internet providers. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You were saying about the year in the life of the Gilmore Girls. So, um, yeah, a year in the life of the Gilmore Girls, like each episode has a musical number that goes on for way too long and it doesn't fit with the tone of the show. It's just something that the creator is like, I'm going to make really weird music videos in the middle of my shows. And she had that happen in the series finale for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a Carol Burnett character who does an entire musical number, doesn't add anything to the plot. It's just like, hey, look, we found someone that looks and sings like Carol Burnett. We're going to show it to you in its entirety. Nice. Great. This does, this is nothing. And then they did this, which again, it shows what the character, how these players and characters have grown on Ted and how they've come to appreciate and love Ted. And I, I, it fit, but it gave me just like that little hint of don't let this go on for too long. (laughs) Do you think it went on for too long? I thought it was just about right. We should say that the team got together and, and performed a surprise rendition of it's a song so long it's the full thing so long farewell avida saying goodbye yeah from yeah with sing, little change um, uh, from sound of, sound music. of music i was gonna say singing in the rain but it's absolutely not from singing in the rain uh from the sound of music <laughs> um i i really enjoyed it and i thought i was gonna hate it so much when it started um but i really enjoyed it and like you said it shows a um I think the stereotype of the footballer that's being portrayed all throughout Ted Lasso is all about image and about looking cool. And it just shows that they're willing to throw that away to do something that they know Ted would appreciate. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's another callback. I think it's a season two episode where instead of doing proper training, they're learning the bye, bye, bye routine. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, And uh, like, uh, Beard, they they go through the entire sequence and Beard tells them they got it and they like have a big celebration as a team. <laughs> and then as they finish the the sequence, Ted turns around, looks at everyone, and he's just like, "Thanks, everyone. That was perfect." And the fans who are there watching training and the players just erupt. And so does Trent Krim, who's in the audience as well. And it, it, I thought that I I that one got me a little misty eyed. Really? I was like, ah, oh, they love Ted. Yeah, they do love Ted. Um. So the next thing we have is is uh, the day of the match. Um, first things first, Danny Rojas, and I might be missing something here. I feel like I am. Danny Rojas and Van Damme uh, have a moment where Van Damme's wearing his mask, which we said last week. They kind of made a lot of reference to how ugly it is and stupid it looks. And then we find out why this time, because Danny Rojas has bought him a really cool black one, which doesn't really look that much different. Um, and they all say he looks like a superhero and he wants to go back to being called Zorro. Well, if you watch it in captions, he wants to be called Zorro, like the the mask of Zorro, yeah. Antonio Banderas and all that. And it, that it's a payoff to a joke from season one as well, where Ted calls him Zorro. And he's like, no, it's pronounced Zorro. <laughs> so instead of the French Z-O-R-O-U-X-E-X, it's now just Z-O-R-O. This is why you uh, host this, Josh, and I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> you know all the detail. Um, it helps when you watch with captions. Which I do not. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, that was a short payoff, but um, I just kind of showed Danny and Zorro. Zorro. Um, <laughs> having a bit of a moment and and just being friendly and teammates again when 
they had that episode in the international break where they were not friends. Um, but we, so, so there was a really, a thing I really liked in this episode. Um, and it probably won't mean anything to you. There's a series on Amazon. You have it as well in America for a lot of different sports called all or nothing, uh, where they follow different sports teams that are either at the peak yeah, of the game. Or, of it. Um, they recently did one for Arsenal football club. And, there was a meme that came out of it. Their their manager is a lot like uh, I don't want to say he's not like Michael Scott. Have you watched the UK Office at all? Yeah, he's very much like David Brent at times, um, and okay. he wants to really paint pictures with his words to the nth degree, where it's a little bit painful sometimes. And he did a whole thing about having your heart and your brain connected and football being the thing that connects both of them together and he drew a heart and a brain holding hands on a whiteboard and that was part of his team talk and it got memed to death um and before they did the video uh the show they wheeled this tv out but what they wheeled it in front of was a picture of a heart and a brain holding hands um so obviously getting in on the the arteta meme there i'll send you a picture of it afterwards um people point it out but i didn't stop to look at yeah. it i was just like i, I got other things to look at. <laughs> but the, instead of uh firing them up with a this is your last match of the season the title is this is how it's gonna go down this is how it's gonna end they show a compilation of their time together and the team just cries and breaks down and i thought it was a uh this was the flashback section showing loads of images of them all looking quite young nate with his black hair instead of his uh, silver fox look that he has going on. Um, and they just cry. <laughs> um, it has the And they're crying during the uh, the national anthem at the start of the match, and everyone's like, oh, shit. Yeah, and even Roy's crying, which I thought was quite a good touch. It's the second time this season we've seen Roy cry, by the way. Uh, he also cried watching You've Got Mail. Uh, but they never show it. <laughs> you right. just see the tears rolling down his cheeks. Um but they go out, and as I said before, in the Rupert episode, they, they concede two really sloppy goals. Um, and yeah, which this one, it, it, didn't, it wasn't because they were playing poorly. It's just that they had a good scheme. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they go in for the halftime team talk, and this is where one of the best, best things that could have happened. And if you've got to it, you've probably seen what happened here. Um, there's a speech about um, the fourth step of Ted's total football and they're talking about believe and the sign that Ted ripped up and said, that's not important. But one by one, they all, I can't remember the catalyst that made them do it. Oh, Sam, then Jamie. And then they, but, they worked together, which what was it that made Sam go and get it first? Uh, Ted was going to say, believe in his ah. speech. He was going to point to the door and, uh, and then he remembered that he tore it up because the sign isn't what's important. It's what they're doing. And so he tries to like swerve it and save it. But uh, another thing that Nick, you let us down. You didn't get back to us this week, but I forgive you. And I love you as our number one fan. <laughs> um, but as I was watching this episode, I remembered the, the Nigerian, the picture of the ni 1994 Nigerian team that Sam has in his locker. Mm-hmm. Um, the significance of that goes back to the debut of Danny Rojas in the episode where they have to like burn something important. Right. What Sam burned was his picture that he had of the Nigerian team. 
Okay. And so now he's brought it back, and that's what all that is. And he, he uh. what is revealed is he has a sliver of the believe sign along with the Nigerian team photo. And collectively, and, uh, as a team, they have the whole sign, which they piece back together on the table like a, a mosaic to say believe again. Um, and that is enough motivation for them to to um, to to push on and and to to play better in the second half. And they do their huddle, come on, Richmond, over the over the sign itself, and then they go back out there. Um, I really loved the second half where they're talking about overmarking Jamie, and every time you see Jamie, he's got four players around him or three players around him, and he can't do anything. So what does he do? He does the very first thing that Ted Lasso teaches in the very first season of you've got to overact. You want to get an Emmy and, and pretend that you're getting the ball. And he runs and he does the arms. And he's like, hey, give me the ball, the ball here. Give me the, my feet. Oh, I need the ball. Um, and then the dummy to Obasanya who scores the third goal um, for them to win the match 3-2. And then in classic Ted Lasso fashion, through Ted's story, we find out they've won the match, but they didn't win the entire fucking thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Man City was the one who they had to they they needed to lose. Yeah, in their match, but uh, we we had it revealed in a, a similar callback moment where everyone's like looking at their phones, talking, and uh, they find out that Man City went up like one nil. Um, which did you catch that slip up from the commentators at halftime? Nope. They said that uh, Richmond was going into the half down 2-0. They didn't say going down 2-0. Uh, I think that sometimes happens. I, uh... Okay. I thought that was more... It was kind of like saying it, saying uh, zero instead of love in uh, tennis. No. Uh, I think that sometimes happens. It's more common to say 2-0. But um, I'm very glad as, as your your football fandom comes out, it becomes more natural <laughs> to say 2-0. Um, yep, got to keep it consistent. Yeah, um, and they win the game. And then in the, the thing at the end, the, the flash at the end, we see um, Colin and his boyfriend kiss on the pitch like he said he wanted to do. He we, and his fella. He and his fella. We see Sam <laughs> in the Nigerian national team with the biggest smile out of any of them. Um. Once again, I think a really nice tidy wrap up from. Uh, oh, and we also yeah, see I... uh, Danny Rojas at uh, something we'll talk about in a minute with uh, kissing what looks like his partner and then turning to kiss another partner, and he looks very happy as well. <laughs> That's another callback to uh, the season two premiere episode, where when he's having the nightmare about uh, killing the dog, he uh, he wakes up and he's got two women in his bed. Mm. What a what a player, eh? Um, ooh, I felt <laughs> really. I felt really, he's an ace. I felt really dirty saying that. Um, <laughs> yeah, good good wrap up of the team. I think um, I feel like the team themselves, besides Sam, played very uh, fleeting roles throughout this season. But I do think it was important to give them kind of um, actual wrapped up storylines. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like the uh, the Scrubs season eight kind of flash forward where it ha we we get a glimpse into the future and we see that everyone kind of gets what they were hoping for, which like the main thing is Sam getting on the Nigerian team mm. and uh, 
Yeah, I, I like that a lot. The the one thing I would say is we'll get into it with Beard. Um, we don't know how far into the future that is, but I feel like Ted should have been there. I, I agree. I was it, it's not like all this up. stuff happened within like his flight. Well, we can talk about that in just a second if you want. I think Beard's quite a good one to go to, and it won't take very long. Um, there was a few things in that scene that I think were worth pointing out. But um, yeah, I agree. Ted should have been there. Yeah, that, that's the one thing in this entire season slash maybe series finale that I'm like, that makes no sense. Yeah. Ted would have brought Henry out to see his Uncle Beard get married. Well, now you've you've spoiled the party, Josh. Let's talk. <laughs> oh, a, shoot, I did. We didn't say Let's that. talk about Coach Beard in this episode. There isn't a lot to talk about, um, really. He is showing loyalty to Ted, and when Ted says he's going to go back to Kansas, Coach Beard says, yep. No problem. I'm going to come with you. Jane shreds his passport. Ted says, lucky you've got dual citizenship. And he says, actually, I've got tri-citizenship. And he's like, oh, what's the other one? And he's like, Vatican City, baby, which <laughs> such a <laughs> stupid throwaway line. I thought it was really funny. Um, yeah. So I'm going to talk about this now. I had a message that I wanted to read out about um, one of the scenes, the Diamond Dog scene. And I'm sure as a football fanatic, it never bothered you. Uh, but the bit with Ted, when he's talking about uh, the championship and the Champions League, so he's like, you get relegated from the Premier League to play in the league below, and then you move to the championship. But then if you finish in the top four, you play in a league called the Champions League. And it's such a similar name, but with such different... What? Why is that? And Roy goes money and he goes oh makes sense um but uh so the thing that uh my friend and yours dan from casting views and just football says he said when are you recording talking lasso i haven't finished watching it yet but one part outraged me where ted shows exasperation at the naming of the football leagues in the champions league and he hails from the home of the in quote marks world series he says world <laughs> series uh, and I said, incredible, I'll ra raise this. And he says, thank you. I told him that his contribution will build something much bigger than us. So um, there you go. Uh, I think that's a very valid thing. The World Series is not the World Series. Um, yeah. The World Baseball Classic. <laughs> it's just the American Which Baseball Classic. Which no one classic. watches. Um, yeah, could be the World Series because Japan love baseball. Um, but we're going off on a tangent here. Uh, so let's let's talk about. Sorry, isn't that an Eddie Izzard joke? Is it? I think Eddie Izzard has a joke about the World Series and like oh, the World Series. <laughs> the only so sorry, big big tangent here. The only Eddie Izzard thing I can really remember is: Have you seen the thing where he does a whole section of his comedy skit in French, and it's really yes. funny? And he's like, yes, uh, he's and... talking about the the. The language tapes at, at school. Yeah, and he goes, Le change sous la branche. And you look up at Le change, <laughs> Le change disparu, because the monkey would fuck off. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> anyway. Um, I love that bit. I, I love Eddie, Eddie Izzard. Look him up. Um, yeah, if you haven't, you should. Actually, Tim and I talked about Eddie Izzard on our Two Boats from Blighty recording today. Um, so double Eddie Izzard oh. for me. Lucky, lucky me. Um, All right. So let's talk about Beard. Uh, Jane shreds his passport so he can't leave, but he's got dual citizenship, so it's fine. Um, 
and it gets all the way to the point where they're on the, the plane and Ted calls back to episode one, scene one or two, and he's like, is this stupid? Are we are we doing something dumb here? Like he does when he says when they're moving there. He's like, we're on the verge of winning something and Beard doesn't say anything and he removes his glasses and my God, he looks like a zombie. Um, <laughs> he's like, I haven't slept in three days. I didn't want to ever talk to you about this. But I can't go. I, I he's like I love Jane. I don't want to leave her. I want to stay here. Um, but the doors have already closed on the flight, and he's like, "No problem, leave it to me." <laughs> and he throws the cup of water in his face, and then he rolls around screaming, "My appendix!" And there's a really good bit where he's holding where he thinks his appendix is and screaming, and Ted goes, "Bit is on the other side," and he's like, "Oh, thank you very much," and then just carries on screaming. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they take him out the plane and he stays. And then the next thing that we get is he's getting married to Jane at Stonehenge for some reason. <laughs> um, and whilst it called back to an episode I really hated, I really enjoyed that he was wearing the trousers from the Coach Beard episode. Basically the outfit from the Coach Beard episode. Yes, I was going to ask if you caught that. Um, yeah. And then did you notice that the uh, the woman that he was chasing and her husband were also in attendance at the wedding? Very strange guest list at that wedding. Yeah, I, um, I had to rewind and like just stare at them for a minute like, who the hell are these people? <laughs> and why do they look so familiar? And why do they give me nightmares? Why do they have a um, baby? And then I remember that like that's why the guy was chasing him is he felt threatened that some guy was coming after his wife who they were trying to have a, yeah. a child. And then chased him because he wanted to give his wallet back. Um, but yes, um, strange, strange ending. A lot of time, more time than I would have thought for a couple that we see very little of in the show and very neatly tied up for a couple that no one really cared that much about. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is a, a creator thing, I think, where they were just like, we we like this story. We like this couple because we find it funny. We're going to pay it off the way we want to. Yeah, I think that they had a, one of the best lines in the show, though. In the scene that we were talking about where um, we're in Rebecca's kitchen and Jane, Beard, Ted, and Rebecca are all there, the house cleaner comes in and sees Beard in his banana hammock and is like, oh, my God, okay, I'll start with the guest bedroom. <laughs> and then they they stare at each other for a second and then, Beard and Jane run off and they're like, no, those ropes aren't trash, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Yes. Um, but apart from that, the main thing here is that Coach Beard doesn't feel like he needs to be at um, at Ted's side 24-7. He's kind of separated himself from from Ted. Yep, and we, we find out that his first name is Willis. Willis, yes. Which I thought at first was going to be some kind of joke about Wilson. And I'm sorry, Wilson. Oh, Wilson, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it, it wasn't anything to do with that. Nope. Um, yeah. But that that's it for Coach Beard. Weird section. And uh, did you say you wanted to say something about this? Or do we need to wait until we get to a wrap-up of a No, book? I was I was just going to ask if you had, uh, if you caught the, the Coach Beard episode references, mainly his yeah. pants and the guests. Sadly, sadly I did. Um, but, um, gave me nightmares. There are two things in this episode that, I did not realize had never happened, which one is we never found out Coach Beard's name, which yeah. I, I never realized he was the janitor of the story. <laughs> and apparently Ted never laughs in the show. I didn't notice this either. 
Yeah, they, they made a yeah. really big deal out of it when uh, Trent was watching Ted read it, his manuscript. And I was like, yeah. is, is this a thing? Is Really? But I guess, yeah, very subtle, but also quite strange for the character that Ted is. But we'll, we'll get on to Ted last, I think, Yeah, with his namesake being the show. Um, so there's a few stories here. I do want to talk a little bit about Trent Krim, but I feel like we can capture him within Ted's story. Um, but the other one I want to talk about is Jamie Roy Keeley. Um, is there anyone I've missed? Barbara? Oh, Barbara. <laughs> Barbara likes blood. That's all we found out about Barbara. She loves hockey. I know she said she, she likes rugby, but man, let her get her to a hockey game. Get her to see those Las Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> that that would be Dan's go. new team that he's written for, yeah. Go but who do you support? I support the Detroit Red Wings. Go go them. Ooh. <laughs> Um, cool. Okay, let's talk about the the love triangle of Jamie, Roy, and Keeley. Yeah, see, for me, like it's not even a, a Roy Keeley need to get together kind of thing in this episode. Um, I like the way they ended it, but how they set up this like artificial conflict just that one didn't sit right with me because um, the storyline really kicks off when. Jamie runs into Keeley and he's like, Hey, I, I got a, some kind of deal with Nike. And, uh, I told him I wasn't doing anything without my publicist. And Keeley picks up on the implication that that's her. And so she's like, Oh man, we're going to Brazil together. Mm. And, uh, Roy sees this interaction, doesn't hear it. And he's like, Oh, well, Jamie's trying to move in on my woman. Mm. And, uh, we better fix this. So he invites him out for beers and he has a talk with them. Uh, Roy has a talk with Jamie, and uh, he he kind of implies that he and Keely are on the path to getting back together. They're not there yet, but it's going to happen. And Jamie's like, "Well, if there ain't no ring on that finger, I'm I'm coming after her." <laughs> and they get yeah. into a fight, so they go to Keely to just pick who she wants to be with. And I like the way that this ended, where Keely's like. And it's implied that Keely's like, you're both a bunch of fucking children, get out. And she just kicks them out of the house. Yeah, and they realize how stupid they've been. But I'm just going to take you back to you saying that you didn't think the, the Jamie thing was involved. If you remember in episode one of this series, I said, I feel like Jamie is going to try and get back together with Keely. From the look he gave her in the corridor when she was back at Richmond and they knew that Roy... And Keely had broken up. I said, I think Jamie's going to try it. Um, and then I very quickly went, well, no, no, he won't. Don't worry. But um, I think it was kind of very, very subtly implied throughout the uh, throughout the series that that's what Jamie really wanted. Yeah, and they, they pretty much said so um, in the episode where Keely had that sex video leaked um, where uh, he says once he found out that she and Roy were serious, he backed off. So therefore mm. Roy and Keely are no longer serious or in a committed relationship. He's going to try and work his way back in. Um, yeah. Which I mean, he's absolutely able to do as a grown man and she a consenting adult. Definitely. And there was a bit in this before the fist fight where what spurred them on is like, 
uh, Jamie was going, oh, you haven't even been with her for a year and a bit, 18 months. And he's like, actually, it's only been a month. And they kind of look at each other. And then Jamie goes, that video that got leaked for Keeley, that was made for me. And then the next time we see them, they're all battered and bloodied at, um, <laughs> at Keeley's house. Like, we were fighting over you. And then we realized we should just ask you who you want to pick. And then <laughs> the next time we see them, they've been kicked out of Keeley's. And they're like, we are fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, I, I like. Yeah, the I thought it was good. I like the resolution to it, um, but I, I felt like it was really, really manufactured. Like the the Roy and Jamie relationship has evolved to a point where they they would have just talked it out, but they mm. they reverted them to like pre mid season three Roy and Jamie, and uh, it it just it didn't quite work for me. It, it really felt re- regressive for both characters. Okay. Fair enough. Um, was there anything else on Roy and Keeley that I think that you think's worth talking about? Um, the only other thing with Keeley is uh, her new PR firm that she has with Rebecca as her financier is instead of uh, KJPR, it's KBPR, which is Keeley and Barbara Public Relations. Um, yeah, which I think that's that's nice that um, Keeley has grown to see Barbara as like an equal and a proverbial sister yeah yeah that was that was pretty good um okay so i think we're on to the big one uh and the big one being we have a mention of zava here (laughs) everyone's favorite character whilst the team are i see what you did there uh, with the big one thank you um well as maximilian ozinski is my favorite actor in the show um maybe closely second uh but he zava was one of a really great great short-term character um he's mentioned he sends a box of t-shirts um with his avocado farm to the team and he sends an avocado and jamie's like what he just sent one avocado um and it turns out it's absolutely fucking massive avocado (laughs) yes it's huge (laughs) to which jamie says holy guacamole (laughs) holy guacamole um (laughs) but yeah so i think the only other thing i want to mention about jamie's story is in the the compilation at the end i love that they get him back with his dad he's seen looking at photos presumably of football with his dad still in the rehab center um i (sighs) don't I think if you said to me after the Wembley episode where they thought that Jamie and his dad would make up, I would be like, that is so dumb and so not needed. But I just thought it was a lovely touch. Um, I was going to save this till the end, but the fact that it was Cat Stevens, father and son, over the top of it as well. I know that's for Ted and Henry, but yeah. oh, that that song just gets me, man. Yeah. Like, such a beautiful song such a beautiful compilation together of everyone's stories tying up and i mean i think you could put that song over anything and it would be emotional um but i I really enjoyed seeing jamie with his dad i think the way they handled it 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 did go over better than i think it would have had you just said i think we need to get jamie and his dad to to kiss and make up yeah yeah, but I think that the growth that we've seen in both of them, his dad uh, coming from where he was and the applauding he did at the end of the last episode when you found out that he was in the rehab centre, I think just... I 
I think it goes back to me really liking Jamie and wanting the best for him. And when he sent his dad the text saying just to get in touch, how are you? Um, to see them in a in a good place was just quite heartwarming, which Ted Lasso should be really at the end of the day. I, I really appreciate the fact that um, Jamie's dad went into rehab off screen. It wasn't prompted by anything other yeah. than implying it, it was his own choice like he after presumably after jamie punched him he was like what am i doing with my life what am i how am i treating my own son and mm. he he went into rehab some time after that yeah yeah but i think a really nice another well wrapped up story i know that some of these feel quite forced but i think what they did really well in this this series was wrap up the stories really really well um give them actual most of them feel like actual conclusions to the story. Um, what I did forget to say was we find out that Roy, as you speculated, I feel like we've been getting more and more of our predictions right. Roy was made head coach of um, AFC Richmond, which I thought was also a nice touch. Yeah, with Coach Beard and uh, I believe Nate as his coaching staff. Yeah. Um, but going back to Zava really quick, did you catch the the last mention of Zava uh, while Ted's at the airport? No. So when Ted's picking up his uh, his newspapers to read on the, the plane, uh, one of the papers next to, I believe it's the, the Rebecca Sells, the, the team um, mm. storyline that concludes there, which did we mention? We didn't mention that in Rebecca's storyline. Um, oh, she sold the half of the club to the fans, which is a really well. I, I don't know if that's a thing in America, but there are German clubs have it, and it's really like looked at enviously from quite a lot of European football. Uh, it, the Green Bay Packers have a, a similar model. It's it's not literal ownership. It's um, mm. you're you're basically buying useless and worthless stock in the team so you can finance them, but they give you a piece right. of paper that says you're an owner. Go Packers. Go Pack Go. Um, but yeah, so Zava, um, when Ted's picking up the magazines and uh, he, he picks up the paper about Rebecca selling 49% of the team, uh, there's a, a headshot of Zava saying, Zava returns, signs with LAFC. Wow. That's not what I expected. Which, um, that's uh, just as a side note, Ibrahimovic signed for LA Galaxy, which are obviously LAFC's big rivals so I, I wonder what they're what they're implying there good and strange. strange i just know i caught it and i was like i don't know who lafc is well they're, they're one of these uh so the mls is um very similar to a lot of other american sports in that it's like football but with the no relegation model franchise model um and lafc is one of the latest ones and i saw they only have um, like a 14 week season or maybe it's 18 weeks but it's really short I have to be honest with you. The MLS confuses the hell out of me. Like you, they've got they've got drafts, which confuse the hell out of me. No relegation or promotion, and you buy your spot, confuses the hell out of me. But it's it, it's like an NFL model for for football. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so jokes aside, the big one. Let's talk about Ted. Ted's story was good. I thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, the the way that it started I, I, with being at Rebecca's again, just I was just like, oh God, no, you can't be complicating this issue right now. Yeah. I think um, 
the constant Ted Becker bait and switches that we covered in, in Rebecca's story were were clever. I thought the Diamond Dog stuff and accepting Roy to to kind of elevate him to be um, the the manager of the team by getting him involved in Diamond Dogs. I know it was kind of Roy's choice, but it's something that Ted's egged on for ages. The callbacks to him from episodes one through series one and series two were really clever, quite obvious in some places, subtle in others, as we've covered. Um, but Ted wants to go back to Kansas to be closer to his son. And I think if this was two years ago when I didn't have children, I'd be like, that's a bit stupid, really. <laughs> it's not really needed for this. But, you know, I obviously you get it for family, but I didn't quite. This, the compilation, Cat Stevens, Father and Son, when he gets home to Kansas and Henry runs out and he's like, it's dad, it's dad. That's where I welled up. Mm-hmm. That's where I thought this was the right way to end it. Um, but we kind of speculated whether he would be in charge of an MLS team, but he's not. He's in charge of his son's little league side. Um, and I loved, I know I'm skipping right to the end here. I loved that uh, Henry's playing striker and he skies one from really close and he's like disheveled. He's like, I should have buried that. And his dad just goes, be a goldfish. And that's exactly the advice that he gave to Sam. Forget it. Three seconds later, just move on. Be a goldfish. I just, yeah, it was, it was the right way to end it. And it was done well. I, yeah. And I mean, there's, there really isn't a whole lot to Ted's storyline other than the bait and switches with the, the, the Tobacco stuff. Um, yeah. I, I think that it, it, it does play a lot like the Scrubs finale where it's just a, a long goodbye and we get the feel-good yeah. ending where the team wins. We see the dance, which I predicted uh, yesterday. Uh, yeah. When I thought the episode was going to drop at 8 p.m. At 8 a.m., I was like, 12 hours until we see the dance again. <laughs> <laughs> Apple TV moved it just to mug you off, didn't they? They, they saw that tweet and like, well, fuck this guy. He, <laughs> he spoiled the ending of the show. <laughs> but yeah, so that's another one of those callbacks from episode one before we even actually properly meet Ted. Um, like you say, there isn't a lot here, but I just think what they had was done really well. The only other way they could have ended this storyline, um, which we need to talk about Dr. Jacob as well. Um, yes. Uh, the only other way they could have ended this storyline is if they they pulled a, a final bait and switch where Ted's at the airport. It seems like he's going to get on the plane and then Michelle and Henry get off the plane and he comes they come and live in England with him and he continues to coach Richmond. That's the only other way I, I think know. this series ends. I don't know how I would have felt about that. I feel like um, football management as a player, all those things, it's like it looks really glamorous, but I don't, it's not a nice thing to like cart your family around the world when it's just based hinged on your job and, it's not really a life that Michelle and Henry ever said that they wanted. So I don't know that they could have done, done that really from that real world perspective. I definitely get it. Um, I just think that either way it needed to end with Ted's family coming abroad or Ted leaving abroad and going home. Um, But yeah, throughout the course of the match, Dr. Jacob is like just ripping the sport of soccer talking yeah. about how like oh are you guys ready to watch a zero zero tie and oh hey look something actually happened and uh it, it by the end of the match he's just at the back end of the the room at the bar uh 
and where Michelle and Henry are watching the match. And um, I think, is it Isaac that puts them ahead? Yeah, no, Isaac scores the penalty. Um, Isaac hits a penalty so hard it goes through the net. Um, Hitting the, but the I can't remember. armor. <laughs> oh, God, that was funny. Um, but the, yeah, I can't remember exactly what Jacob says, but Michelle and, and Michelle snaps him and he's like, just shut up. Like it, yeah, yeah, I don't know. They, I they, was... They're clearly painting Dr. Jacob in an even worse light than he already is painted in just by yeah. existing. And, uh, the fact that he he has no interest in this sport that clearly Ted's family is invested in it it just adds to the these two are not going to last kind of idea. I yeah, but you could you I agree completely. They're not going to last. It was painted that way, but you didn't need he did realistically. If we were in a real world scenario, he doesn't need the interest in it. He just needs to shut up and let them enjoy what they enjoy. Yeah, I think that was the point here that he was being intentionally derogatory and annoying about something that they actually cared about and wanted to watch. So why wouldn't they snap at him and call him a dickhead or whatever they do? Yeah. Um, but I think they, they are implying um, some kind of um, what's the word uh, I've said it before reconciliation between Ted and Rebecca because, or not Rebecca, um, Michelle. Michelle, yeah. Um, because Michelle is sitting in the stands watching Henry play without Dr. Jacob nearby. So either he's just like, alright, you guys like your soccer thing, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go over here and wander in the golf section. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Dr. Jacob. Shit character. Um, intentionally so. But, uh, yeah, that's it wrapped up, Josh. How does it feel? I mean, with Mrs. Maisel ending and this ending, it, it was, it's been a journey, man. I started watching this, uh, like just before season two started. No, it was just before season one ended. Um, I had had it recommended, it recommended to me. I had bought a new iPad and I had a free subscription to Apple TV plus. I'm like, I'm not going to use it. What the hell's on Apple TV plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, we went into lockdown and like a week into lockdown, I'm like, I can watch whatever the hell I want. No one's going to know. So I like busted out yeah. my iPad, and put on Apple TV plus, like, let's give this Ted Lasso thing a try. And I binged the first like eight episodes for like an entire week, not realizing it yeah. wasn't the the end of the season. And I saw episode nine came out that Friday. It's like, Oh my God, there's more. and uh i got ricky to watch it and i got my my in-laws and my sisters and just like i got so many people to watch this show and uh i i I don't think this third season was as good as the previous seasons in terms of theming but i do think that i respect them more for sticking to this storyline and we don't know if this is the official final season apple is clearly not uh locking in the idea that this is the final season because they keep saying season three fin- season finale not series finale so josh just tell me about the thing that you sent me on uh before we started recording about um what ted's oh, we never talked about trent Krim in his book uh he finishes the book and beard has lots of notes and ted says it was great but he says something else and josh sent it to me earlier um just just talk to me about that um, I don't think I can pull that up because I still do not have internet. It says, yeah, so, so the, the quote on it says, 
one small suggestion. So the book is called The Lasso Way. And the only note Ted has is one small suggestion. I changed the title. It wasn't about, it's not about me and it never was. Mm. Um, and what you sent to me was the door is wide open for reincarnation or a series four under a new title yeah. of Ted Lasso. Yeah, which I think we talked about at the top of the episode, um, which yeah. they, they could easily kick off a spinoff, just call it the Richmond way or just we are Richmond or something. Um, yeah. But I mean, it, it's, especially after uh ted's therapy in season two like this season especially really felt like they were setting up spinoffs just in the off chance that they weren't coming back for an official season four Mm. but i would um uh from a rating standpoint this episode i think i would give it like a 7.5 but as a season or series finale i think i would give it like an 8.5 i think it's one of the better series finales if if we are sticking to that idea you you took the words out of my mouth i was going to actually say a seven out of ten for the episode as a as a whole but eight and a half as a as a series finale because like i said it tied everything up so well it wasn't for the psychic storyline the series as a whole i think would be improved there were bits of it that i thought were forced there were bits that i didn't land but it was ted lasso and it was done well and there's a lot of heart in it and a lot of it really resonated with me as someone who is a a football fan and someone who really enjoys this kind of light-hearted comedy that can go much deeper um ted lasso is brilliant and it really is i've got people i've got people who i know that were like i'm not watching it because it's about soccer about football and i'm like no it's not it's not at all about that that's features in it, but it's a it's a show based around football, not about football. And then they go on to watch it, and they're like, "I've watched all two seasons <laughs> over a weekend, and I love it." Um, and it's one of those things that um, I feel like you have to watch Ted Lasso. You have to watch it to understand why it's so good. Um, I love it to the point where I've shaved a mustache for for a. a, a podcast about it where no one's ever going to see it i love it to the point where my team at work bought me an afc richmond glass to have when i'm working from home i love it to the point where i finished a catch-up with one of my team members by showing them one of the speeches in ted lasso because it was so well put together um i can't recommend ted lasso enough and the season as a whole was just not as strong as one and two but it was still very fucking strong. So much good stuff in it. And I think that a lot of the criticisms may be fair, but I don't think they're looking at the show for what it's trying to accomplish in this season. Mm. And I think I even even with the idea of spinoffs and uh, kind of playing it safe in certain areas, I think... Overall, in this entire season, it's probably an eight, eight and a half out of ten for for the overall yeah. season. It, it would probably be a nine, if not a perfect ten, if not for the Rebecca storyline, <laughs> or the this. I should say the psychic storyline. We love Dutch Daddy. We do. Well, one of us loves Dutch Daddy a lot more <laughs> than uh, than the other. I think. Um, hence, coming up with the name Dutch Daddy. Um, Josh, I haven't got a quiz for you today. You've you've shown your mastery of football already you are a certified football fanatic uh, and i have a very short mad 
story from you, and it's from three months ago. Okay. Uh, three months ago, uh, there was a series of football that no one had seen yet, and the adverts had dropped. And two people from other sides of the world were very excited about going to watch it. And one of them sent to the other a message on Discord that just said, Oh my God, Series 3 of Ted Lasso is coming out. And the other one said, Let's make a fucking podcast about it. Uh, and it's Sounds taken familiar. some very late nights for, for one of us, some very early mornings for the other. But we've managed to fight against the odds to put out an episode every single week for this uh this show that means so much to both of us so um my mad story of the week is is being able to spend 12 hours with someone that i can call a friend that i've never met in person so josh just thank you for having me on as a bit of a guest in the the talking smack lineup i've really enjoyed getting to watch it and chat about ted lasso with you and i've really enjoyed hearing about the interaction that people have had um listening to this and getting in touch with both me and you about it um, and whilst I'm a bit gutted that, that we're not going to be able to carry on doing it for um, after this, I'm sure we'll get together and talk Ted Lasso very soon. Yeah, we will definitely be doing like a, an entire series wrap up or at least uh, a first three seasons wrap up. Uh, that'll probably be yeah. a few weeks because I've got a few things coming up. But Joey, um, yeah, it, it has been an absolute pleasure to, to spend these last 12 weeks with you. And uh, thank you for taking the time to do this with the time difference and everything and uh, explain football to me. <laughs> um, You'll be doing that for everyone else now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, truly, I, I, I consider you a friend as well. And th- this has been a fantastic time. And uh, we will definitely have to find a new show to start binging week to week. Um, we'll just have to give it a little bit of a break because I'm sure Jenny, as well as Ricky in, in my household, uh, is like, when are we actually going to see you? <laughs> yeah, and uh, what I should say as well, if if you've enjoyed Talking Lasso, um, listen to the rest of Talking Smack. I love Talking Smack, and if you want to hear something similar to me, well, very, very genetically similar to me, the latest episode <laughs> before this includes my brother, where he talks about Guilty Gear in something I'm not even going to pretend makes any sense to me just yet. But uh, but when I listen to the Guilty Gear episode later on... It, uh, it is absolute madness, but um, I, I'm sure there's at least one part early on in the episode that's going to put a big smile on your face, so um, I'll just tease you with that one. Good. Good. Okay, great. Well, Josh, um, in the immortal word... Ah, no, 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 no. We can't end now. You prepared sound clips. Talk to me about these sound clips. Oh, yeah. So um, Nick Arlt, our, our number one fan, he... Uh, he had asked, like, is it definitively season one uh, or is this the end of the series? Uh, which I, I mentioned there's a Brett Goldstein clip from Jimmy Kimmel. And I throughout the week, I found another one of Jason Sudeikis with uh, the Rich Eisen show. And uh, Joey, if you don't mind, let's play the Brett Goldstein clip first. It's about 75 seconds, if I remember okay. correctly. Okay, I'll play it now. Um, it's where Jimmy Kimmel asks him, like, is this definitely the end of the series? This is the third season of Ted Lasso, and supposedly yeah. it's going to be the last season. Well, that doesn't seem to be have been settled. <laughs> yeah. But you approached it as if it was the last season. Yeah. Like, so was everybody sad and everything when it ended? Oh, man. The, yeah. the, the last day, I think it was, like, mean of the AD. Like, they deliberately scheduled the last scene, had everyone in it in the locker room, and it was already an emotional scene, and then... Eventually, they said, that's a wrap. And, like, 
250 people, like as in set designers, like accountants, everyone involved in said last night rushed in to the locker room and everyone hugged and everyone kissed and we had an orgy, you know, normal stuff. <laughs> and, uh, everyone was crying stuff. and like, Jason did a speech. I mean, it was very, I kept sneaking off to the shower set to have a cry so no one could see you and then I'd come back in like, why are you crying? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Uh, so it would be weird if you did another season, even though everybody wants you to do another <laughs> season. Now it's going to be like, oh, yeah, we all kind of cried for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't look you in the eye anymore. We can't do this. So, yeah, that, that's that's Brett Goldstein at uh, on Jimmy Kimmel talking about is this the end? And uh, I've also got uh, it's like a 90 second clip of Jason Sudeikis on the Rich Eisen show. So, Joe, if you want to play that. Sure. Yep. In, in the two minutes I have left, yeah. the, the the million dollar question yes. is: This the end of Ted Lasso, or what? I mean, I I really I, I mean, I've always said, I've always meant what I said, where it's like this was the story we wanted to tell, right. you know, and 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 I mean that would be evident when you like when episode twelve is is out and available. Um, so it feels a little silly to to keep you know going back to it, but again, not anticipating or ever expecting or imagining people's reaction or response to it. Also, with the process of making it being such a joyful one and one that we really you know bust our, our buns at, at doing, and yet it still f is very fulfilling, and it's, and it's not, you know, at least it doesn't feel toxic, you know, in, in, uh, to me, that it's like, okay, maybe maybe, there, maybe there's more there, but it has to come from the stories and the characters, and we have to, like, satisfy these these ends here before really having that conversation. It's, it feels a little bit like, you know, talking about next season when you're in the playoffs. It's kind of like, it's, you know, you gotta faux pas. finish. So is yeah. there going to be just a a lasso summit or something? It'll probably be the same everyone? way this whole thing started with me and Joe and and Brendan, you know, sitting in a sitting in a pool, like, you know, making each other laugh and, and being like, you know, wh what do we think? And, and and just sort of staying open to, to you know, the, the universe of things. The business side of things is, is a whole other complication. Understood. But, like, it has to come from the root of, like, the... the, the where 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 we'd want the story to go, where we'd want it to go further, how we'd want it to evolve the character right. evolution, you know, just, and we don't need it all fleshed out, but just mm -hmm. like a notion of of of, of what why of, of a, a better why than just cause. There you go, that tells you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it says that they had they finished the story that they set out to tell, and if there's anything more, it it could happen in a couple of years. They could do a time jump and. Uh, Ted, we can join up later on in their lives. Henry could be going off to college, whatever. Mm. So there, there's places they could go, but I think they they all definitively have said like, this is where we 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 planned it out, we blocked it out. This is the end of the original story. If there's going to be more, maybe. Fair enough. I don't think we can ask for more than that. To be totally honest with you. Yeah, and I mean at at this point, I I, I would rather we want more. Then get too much in all of how I met your mother. Like, I, I would rather just be like, man, if they could have gone more, but I'm happy with what we got. Right. Okay, Josh. Um, we've done our soppy thank yous, goodbyes. We've said Ted Lasso's never coming back. Uh, let's um, <laughs> let's sign this off in the way that we usually do. All right. In the immortal words of Ted Lasso, quoting Walt Whitman: "Be curious, not judgmental." And for the last time, scram, whistle, whistle. Scram, whistle, whistle. Oh.